Hey everyone, welcome to the Land of Hope podcast. Come with us this week as we plant our feet in the Land of Hope. Hi everybody, welcome to Rooted Summer week five and six. We are putting these two weeks together this week because last week we did not record a message. So this week we're gonna be in John 14, And I'm reading out of the message version this time through the book of John. It has been so rich. It's it's interesting now with Rooted Summer where we're going through seven chapters of John each week. My encouragement to you has been that every time we restart at chapter one to pick a new translation of the Bible. And that's not just for fun. I really do think that when we read the gospel in a fresh and new way with new words, it opens up doors for us. Um, If there are words that we're used to hearing, we don't hear them the same way. And so using a new translation, if you're used to being in a certain translation of the Bible, can be so helpful for getting a a fuller picture of um, what John was like, what Jesus was like um, for his time on earth. And I've been reading out of the message, and I will tell you that It has been a long time since I've been just reading scripture and just overcome with emotion where I just start crying or I just have to take a minute because I'm just like, this is so beautiful. And I'm so in love with Jesus. I'm so amazed at him. And I think it's because I do read my Bible consistently, but I am always in the same translation. And just by moving into the message version, which is a little bit more of a paraphrase, it's not word for word, it's more thought for thought, um, that, like it's just come alive in a new and fresh way. So I just encourage you to keep engaging the Bible and to do it in a translation or even as you're listening to it in a way that makes sense to you and kind of makes your heart feel alive. So we're going to be in John 14. Um, So turn with me there. If you have a Bible in front of you, again, I'm in the message version. So verse 25, Jesus says this, I'm telling you these things while I'm still living with you. The friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. He will remind you of all the things I have told you. Now keep in mind that in chapter 13, John starts writing by saying that Jesus knew that his time on earth was coming to an end. And so this chapter 13 and 14 is kind of the final actions and dialogue he has with his disciples before he's going to be tried and crucified and then raised from the dead. And so they're kind of his parting words to them, his his last moments with them. And so what he's saying is, <clears throat> while I'm still here with you, I have particular things to do with you and to tell you that need to keep ringing in your ears after I'm gone. So he's saying like, listen up, this is really important. And then he says, the friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, will make everything plain to you. So he's saying, like, I'm telling you this now while I'm with you, but the Father is going to send a friend for you who will continually be with you by your side. Um, The advocate is another way that we describe the Holy Spirit or the comforter. So this friend is going to be with you and he will explain things to you like I'm explaining things to you now, but he won't ever go. Like he'll always be present with you. And he also says, he, the Holy Spirit, will remind you of all the things I have told you. 
So Jesus is, remember, they're not scribbling these things down <laughs> as he says them. They're just there listening. And he's saying, like, these are my last words to you, but don't worry because someone is coming. The Holy Spirit will come and you will have someone to clarify things for you, to give you clarity and to remind you of what I'm telling you now. And he won't ever leave you. You know, the Holy Spirit, Jesus points to him as being this great gift that the Father's giving because it's going to be God's living presence on earth. And Jesus has these three years to be with his disciples and to be with his people. But he's saying the Father is going to send this person who will literally be like your best friend, will be with you all the time. So I think some important things to notice about the Holy Spirit here is that, first of all, with the Holy Spirit comes clarity. Jesus is saying, like, any confusion you're feeling, or probably speaking to the confusion they would be feeling, he's saying when the Holy Spirit is sent to you, he will make everything plain to you. There will be clarity in your hearts and mind when the Holy Spirit is in you and with you. So if you're lacking clarity or peace of mind, you invite the Holy Spirit to come and to fill you, to immerse you, um, to make everything plain to you because that is part of what the Holy Spirit gives us. More than just seeing things with our eyes and figuring things out, the advent of the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual clarity to see what's really happening beneath the surface. And then he says, you know, I'm, he's going to remind you of all the things I've told you. And I think that what Jesus is saying here is that these things I'm telling you, all that you've learned from me in the last three years, all that I have taught you, these are going to become your foundation. And I think that's why it's so important that we regularly are in the gospels, the good news of Jesus, because these things that Jesus did and taught are the foundations of how we are supposed to follow in his footsteps, how we're supposed to engage in a relationship with the Father, how we are supposed to lead as he led the disciples. Um, so that is where Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to remind you of these things. And then he says this, Jesus says, I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you, peace. I don't leave you the way you're used to being left feeling abandoned, bereft. So don't be upset and don't be distraught. Isn't that beautiful? This had me in tears multiple times as I studied this passage because he isn't abandoning them. And I think of, you know, when we love someone, when we especially love, um, you know, a father figure or someone who kind of has taken care of us or taught us a lot, and we're very close to. Losing them feels like losing a parent. It feels like being orphaned. And what Jesus is saying is that when I leave you, it's not leaving you like you're used to being left. You're not being abandoned. What's happening is that I'm leaving you my peace and the Holy Spirit is gonna come and he's gonna give you more and more and more of what you've experienced with me. Everything I have, I'm giving to you. That's what Jesus is saying here. And it's such a turnaround because, you know, we don't ever need to worry that Jesus is going to leave us. But there are times in our lives where we're in transition and we feel like we've left the old, but we haven't yet arrived at the new. 
And that's what Jesus is telling them. He's like, guys, count it down because these are my final hours with you. But you're not being, this countdown isn't the end, but I want to prepare you for the transition that's coming, right? And so he says, don't be upset and don't be distraught. And I think a great tension of these chapters of the Gospels is this tension between grief and hope. So there's this grief. I mean, it says in chapter 13 that Jesus was was really sad that he was going to be leaving these men and women who he was so close to. When he talks about Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he talks about how much he loved them and was so fond of them. And so these are people to which he really does have a a human, emotional, relational connection. And um, when he's getting prepared to leave them, he's saying like, this, this is a transition. I am leaving you. He doesn't beat around the bush or sugarcoat it or try to make it sound better. He says, I am leaving you. But this, this leaving, this changing is also full of hope. So can we hold those two things side by side, grief and hope? Can we hold them in concert with each other? Just as Jesus is here saying, my promises are never going to fail you. And you better be aware that these are the final moments you're going to have with me, right? So that's, I think, a very beautiful picture of that awareness and that indifference to any outcome but God's will, right? So we're saying, I have hope because I believe that you're good. And yet in this present moment, I'm taking the time to be present and grieve and look at what's happening, okay? So then in verse 28, he says, you've heard me tell you I'm going away and I'm coming back. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm on my way to the Father because the Father is the goal and the purpose of my life. So he is reminding them that their parting is temporary, but I think it is so amazing that he is asking them to be happy for him as he leaves them. He's saying, you have to remember that everything I've done and everything I'm about to do has always been and always will be about the Father. So be happy for me because I'm going to glorify the Father and then we're going to be back together. And that is not just about Jesus. In saying you know, be happy for me because I'm returning to the Father and the Father is the goal and purpose of my life. Jesus is also setting the path and example for us. He's basically saying, we need to reorient what makes us happy and what makes us sad. Because he's saying, my happiness is wrapped up in the Father's glory. So with that as my first aim, we should be celebrating now that even though I'm going through something hard, about to go through something hard, and I'll have to leave you, I'm getting to fulfill the ultimate goal that's always been in my heart of being with the Father and glorifying Him totally. And again, that's not just a thing for Jesus to do and us to watch, but it's a complete reorientation. Like If that is Jesus' attitude toward life, death, purpose, mission, then like, Lord, would you teach us that? Like, would that become the orientation of our lives? 
that we could say, I mean, I wrote it in my journal. I, I'm not sure I, it's a truthful statement for me to say it, but I want it to be true that the first goal and purpose of my life is the Father. That's what Jesus says. The Father is the goal and purpose of my life. So he's modeling this for them. What should make us sad? What should make us happy? And he's showing us that this relationship he has with the Father, this unity and longing, is exactly where their hearts should be also. And that's what he's been praying for them, that they would be in him like he is in the Father. In verse 29, he goes on to say, I've told you this ahead of time before it happens so that when it does happen, the confirmation will deepen your belief in me. So to be prepared is to believe all the more that Jesus was telling them the truth, right? Because if he spoke the truth about this and they're about to see it uh, play out, then we can trust he's speaking the truth about all that will be. And I think that's this really beautiful picture of Jesus saying like, I'm telling you this now so that as you walk along the way, you're like, Jesus was right, Jesus was right, Jesus was right, Jesus was right. And I think we've all had times in our lives where we have freaked out or worried or been anxious about how things are gonna turn out. And then at the end of it, when God comes through and we see a miracle, we're like, why did I doubt that God was going to do something good, right? But every time we keep going through this cycle, and I think what Jesus is trying to say is like, at some point you have to remember what I've told you, and you have to live in that. He says, I'm not, I'll not be talking with you much more like this because the chief of this godless world is about to attack but don't worry, he has nothing on me, no claim to me. And I love this because what Jesus is saying, I mean, what's about to happen, his trial and crucifixion, there's no silver linings. There's no bright spots. It's not like he gets pulled before Pilate and he gets to tell Pilate the gospel. It's just death and sacrifice and suffering and glorifying the Father. And so what he's saying here is the chief of this godless world, right, the enemy, the devil, is about to attack, but what he does to me now is not permanent. He'll make the claim, but the claim he makes will be void. He's saying that even though the enemy can make a claim on him, can kind of put on this show that looks really scary, has like the fireworks and the drama and, and looks like there's like nothing left in it. He's like, never doubt that nothing the enemy does can stick to me. And I think that is also so important when we live our lives because Jesus has filled us, if we believe in him, you know, he's filled us with his power and his authority. And so though there may be things that we feel like are attacks or discouragement or like, what the heck is going on? You know, the enemy is just having this like field day in my life. We can stand like Jesus did and say the the enemy of the, you know, the, the chief of this world may attack, but nothing he does 
can stick to me. He has no claim on me. And that is just the truth. That is absolutely the truth. The enemy, you know, darkness has no claim on us if we've said yes to Jesus. And so Jesus is walking into this future, this crucifixion, in full knowledge that, like, the enemy is going to put on a really great show. He absolutely is. But he's saying, like, don't be fooled by the smoke and mirrors because he has absolutely, there's, there's, it's not even, there's not even a moment of belief that the enemy is going to have his way. He says, but so the world might know how thoroughly I love the Father. I am carrying out my Father's instructions right down to the last detail. So Jesus shows us how to love the Father. He's like, all of this is a witness of how thoroughly I love the Father. So he submits, the way that he loves the Father is by submitting completely to the Father's will. He's like, that's how everyone will know that I love him is when I say, not my will, but yours be done. And the reason why that shows the Father's love is because he's good. And when we submit to him, he uses it for good. Submitting your will to someone who you're not sure about is scary and stupid. But submitting your will to the perfect loving God who created you is for our good and for the world's good. He showed us how to love the Father by submitting completely to the Father's will. And I think this is really, really important. The Father's will and His love are inextricable. You cannot separate what God wants for us and from us with His love for us. And we've sometimes talked as if the two are separate. God loves you more than he hates your sin. God loves you so much, right, that he has grace in your imperfections, right, in the ways that you don't live up to what he's asked of you. But that is thinking of his love and his will as if they are unrelated, as if he loves you, but in order to keep you in line, he had to put a bunch of rules in place. Or he had a bunch of rules in place, and because you couldn't live up to him, he had to love you. But let me tell you this. What he wants for us, his will for us, is his love in action for us. When God asks us to do something, when he asks us to submit our will, when he asks us to surrender, it's because he loves us. It's because he created everything to be in a loving union with him. So his will comes out of his love for each of us. And that completely changes the way we think about submitting to God's will. Because submitting to his will is actually submitting to his love. And this all comes down to what you believe about who God is. Like, is he love or is he like a hard taskmaster? Master? Is he a hard taskmaster? master? (laughs) Is he a buddy? Is he a king? 
Like, who is God? I don't think any of our definitions are able to complete this hand-in-handness of his will and love. He hates sin because he loves you. When he, when he puts guidelines in place and asks us to submit to him, even if we don't understand, it's be, it's, it is, those lines are drawn with his love. So we can't separate the two as if they are warring factors of a person who cannot make up their mind about us. They are one. The Father's will and his love are inextricable. What he wants for us and his love for us go hand in hand. His love for the world and his request for submission are brothers. So if you want to love the world, submit to God. If you want to change the world, say, not my will, but yours be done. And in that loving union relationship, you will become a person who can glorify the Father, who can love unconditionally, who can see with spiritual eyes. And then Jesus says, get up, let's go. It's time to leave here. So these are his final words before he's going to be arrested in the garden and taken to trial and crucified. But as Jesus is telling them these things, giving these final words to him, to them, he says, now get up, let's go. It's time to leave here. And these words hit me this week as a real call to action, as this idea of like, sitting at Jesus' feet and hearing all that he said and then actually walking with him to the garden where it will all take place. And I think some of us, if we've been in the church for any amount of time or following Jesus for any amount of time, Jesus' words are beautiful and powerful, but we can absorb so much of them that we become immune in some way to the power behind them. So I want you to picture sitting in this room with Jesus. Close your eyes if it helps, unless you're driving and you're listening to the podcast. Pull over. (laughs) Close your eyes if it helps and picture yourself in this room and picture Jesus telling you these things. I'm not going to leave you like you're used to being left. The Holy Spirit will come to you. Don't worry about the enemy. He'll make a big fuss, but he's just a flash in the pan. And everything I'm doing, I'm doing because I love the Father. And I show my love for him by submitting my will down to the very last detail of what he's asked me to do. And then as those words are ringing in your ears, Jesus claps his hands, breaking the magical moment, and says, get up, let's go. It's time to leave. And he walks to the garden, and maybe from far off you see him on his knees, clearly in distress. 
you see this play out. The guards and the temple priests coming with their torches to arrest him, dragging him before the high priest and hitting him on the face when he answers back. Ultimately, dying on a cross. And I think as much as for us now, we read these words and they're a good chunk of scripture. It's a good part of a chapter. What makes them meaningful is the get up, let's go, it's time to leave. It's the actual walking out step by step and minute by minute of all that he would do, put action to all of these words. And I believe the invitation is to embrace not just Jesus' teaching, but his life. Not just what he said, but what he did. And say, Jesus, where your feet went, I want my feet to go. So let's pray. Lord, right now, Lord, I just confess my inability to muster up the strength to follow you in this way or to put it on like a coat that I take on and off. Lord, true submission, deep submission doesn't come from any outside impetus, but Lord, from a love for the Father, trust in you, trust in him. And so, Lord, that deep work, whatever deep work needs to be done in us, Lord, I ask that you would do it. The miracle, Lord, of bending our knee to you and no one else and saying your will be done. Lord, just to do that, we need the Holy Spirit. We need your empowerment. And Lord, as you taught and then walked out what you had said, Lord, would we follow in your footsteps? I think of your steps as being very strong and sure and my steps being very shaky, like weak knees, like Bambi on ice. But God, in that, I know you will be faithful to teach us and faithful to be with us, Lord, as we follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, thanks for tuning in today. I'm Paul, one of the producers of the Land of Hope podcast. If anything that you heard moved you or touched you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. So please head on over to discoverhope.org connect and connect with us. And if you'd like to support the podcast or even sponsor the podcast, just head on over to discoverhope.org giving. Thanks.